and welcome to the show. We have the legend, the king of psychedelic chapters, owner of Stroker Dallas. Man, if you guys don't know what that is, something is wrong with you. We got Rick Fairless on today, and we're going to be talking about all the projects he has coming on. I got Black Dragon uh, with me co-hosting this show and then we have a special guest uh, later on in the show, and that is Mayhem with Llama, uh, Latin American Motorcycle Association. But let's welcome uh, Rick right now to the show and everybody else. Uh, it's going to be a great one. Uh, here we go. Let's go here. There you are. What's up, Rick? How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing perfect, man. You said it's real nice down south right now. Uh, how uh, it's like minus three here. Oh, great! So that's that's outside of Chicago, right? Yeah, right outside of Chicago. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, in Dallas, the, the temperature fluctuates, but like the good thing is we know that when it turns cold, it's not stay, staying cold for very long. So I think it's. 60 today the weekend's supposed to be 68 and 70 for saturday and sunday which is good because that's when we make our money is on the weekends and uh, mm -hmm. you know so yeah born and raised in dallas texas and never lived out outside of it wow man uh stroker dallas let's start there right now yep. you're the owner of one of the biggest biker bars in the dallas area Tell well, us about that. Well, it's, I mean, as far as biker bars, it's 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 huge. I mean, we're two and a half acres. It's a motorcycle shop. You know, we do custom motorcycles and stuff. So we're a motorcycle shop. We're a bar and grill. I also own a hot rod shop. And, uh, and I actually own an insurance company, an all-state insurance company here, too. And so it's just, you know, like on the weekends, this weekend, okay, it's uh, January, the end of January, 68 on Saturday, 70 on Sunday. So it's just, you know, like on the weekends, this weekend, okay, it's uh, January, the end of January, 68 on Saturday, 70 on Sunday. So it's just. Yeah, there, uh, Rick? Yeah, I heard myself playing back what I'd already said. Oh, okay, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so basically, we're going to get we get five hundred to a thousand bikes a day come through here, and they're going to come. They're going to pull in. I've got a big courtyard, so they're going to come into the courtyard. They're going to get a beer. They're going to order something to eat. They're going to walk around. They're going to come to the motorcycle shop. Hopefully, they're going to buy a t-shirt or a like a tie-dye t-shirt or a, or a a hat or sunglasses or a used Harley or a Rick Fairless custom or something. And then they're just, you know, with the different groups of people meet there, you know, when I have like a bus, it opens up into a bar. We bring in live music on the weekends. So you can actually get a beer, walk around outside in the courtyard where your motorcycle is talking to other other riders you know so it's it's a it's a cool deal and there's really no other place like it that i've ever seen and people tell me they've never seen it either 
Well, I've heard all about it. Let me ask you this. When did you start riding, and what got you in to riding motorcycles? When I yeah, that's my kid, question. When I was a kid, uh, my great aunt and uncle had a, a ranch out in East Texas, and so I used to go out there a lot with them at 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. And he had horses, and he had Jeeps. And that was all cool. And we used to ride the horses. We used to ride the Jeeps. And then one day he bought a, a, a motorcycle. And it was like a Honda 350 or something. And I'm like seven or eight years old. So it was way too big for me to ride. But I just thought it was so cool. And then a couple of weeks later, I go back out there. And he had bought a little uh, Honda Mini Trail 50. And it's like, oh, my God. Or actually, it was a predecessor to that. It's like, oh, my God, this is something I can ride. Can I ride, you know, and we would ride on it. We would take turns riding it through the, the sand and the dirt and the fields and through the woods. And it was just like I was just addicted. And then uh, he wound up probably a year later getting a couple of new ones. And he said, why don't you take this old one back to Irving? And it can be your, your motorcycle. And from that time on, that would have been in about 63 or 64. I've never been without a motorcycle. So you're a child of the 60s. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Is and that I'm, where the tie-dye comes from? I'm proud of that, Hollywood. I bet you are, man. I wish I could have lived through the 60s. You know, it was it was a different time. The, the, and it's true. The, the world wasn't mean like it is now. You know, the world is kind of a mean place now, and it's not. It wasn't back then, and, and I try to run my place the way it was it was back then. You know, what I always say when people come to my house, I don't care if they're riding a Harley or a Honda Sport bike or they got a, a, a Ford Pinto. I don't care, and I don't care if those people are Ross Perot who's one of my, was one of my customers before he died, or if it's an unemployed cook, everybody's the same. Everybody gets treated with the same respect. Man, how fun were the sixties now that we're on it? Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was different in that you didn't have to worry about being a kid. You didn't have to worry about, staying out till dark you know my brother my brother and i are 11 months apart he's one of the top attorneys in the country he's in houston now and we used to get up at six seven years old and we'd ride our bicycle to a fishing hole that's like three miles away and my mom would pack us a lunch and we'd get up like you know four or five in the morning we'd ride our bicycles over to this fishing hole so we'd be there by sun up and we'd fish all day long and her only rule was when the, when the sun's going down, when the street lights come home, Ricky and Randy better be home. And so we'd get on those bicycles and we'd ride as fast as we could to try to beat home before the street lights came on. But it was, you, you didn't, you didn't worry about things back then. And then, you know, as you got to be a teenager and now you're in the late sixties, early seventies, you know, it was a lot of the, you know, you have to go back and you think, okay, so this is the, the Woodstock era you know, and the, the, the peace and the love and the hippies and all the, 
the free love kind of stuff. And, you know, it wasn't unusual to go to parties back then. And everybody had the beads on the doors, you know, which I had them here forever. My grandkids <laughs> tore them up. So, you know, you'd have to do the beads to go in and everybody had the black lights and the lava lamps, which I have a lava lamp on my desk, by the way. And it was just, you know, I mean, it was kind of that, you know, hey, you like this girl over here? Well, there you go. Okay, well, now you like this one over here? Okay, well, it was just kind of that whole free love. But it didn't mean the same thing that it means now. It was just kind of the normal, the normal deal. You know, there wasn't fighting and and mean things. You know, it was, right? It was just different. It was it was friendlier than it is now. How would you describe the scene back then? Was it? a lot more wild as it, you know, to the traditional way as we would think of everybody partying, everybody having a good time. Yes, absolutely. It was, but it, it was, it was that with no expectations, you know, you didn't, people weren't trying to be high rollers. People weren't trying to be tough guys. People weren't trying to be, something that they're not you know so you know uh uh back then all my buddies you know the the people that i ran around with we all had little motorcycles hondas and suzuki's and yamaha's and you know we're 13 14 15 and it's you know that we all had the same dream which was the the which was the uh the ultimate dream when you're 15, someday I'm going to own a Harley Davidson. I'm going to own a Harley. Oh, you ain't going to own. I'm going to own a Harley someday. I promise you. I promise you. I'm going to own a Harley Davidson someday. And it's like, oh, my God, wouldn't that be so cool if we're sitting here, you know, in 10 years and we all got Harleys, you know. It was just, it was a dream that you never knew if it was going to come true or not. I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, the Black Dragon knows you went through some of that. I mean, you you just long to have a Harley someday. Well, let me ask you this, and and you know, actually, um, um, it was Evil Knievel for me rolling right. up and down. There you go on those Harleys, jumping stuff uh, that was really crazy. Uh, I I'm really kind of amazed because that's what I started off on was a Harley. I mean, was a Honda Trail Fifty. Uh, and uh, the Honda uh, 50 ATC, uh, the three wheeler, and uh, those were those were a blast back uh, in in on the uh, farm roads in Oklahoma. It was really cool. So you know what what and I just you know what was your fascination to motorcycles? What what drew you to them? What made you feel like this was something that it was going to be a part of me for the rest of my life? You know, when I was the when I was that kid on my great uncle's ranch, he had 650 acres and we'd go down there and it was, you know, my his my cousin went down there with me, sometimes my brother. And it was, you know, hey, you know, you're going to be at the ranch all weekend. And it was. Uh, you're going to ride horses. Yeah, you know, it's fun to ride. What about that Jeep? Yeah, we're going to get in the Jeep and go right around the... And then once he got that motorcycle, it's like, can I go to the farm? Can I go to the farm? Can I go to the farm this weekend? Mom, can I go to... The... I just wanted to ride that motorcycle. 
And from the time I'd get up in the morning, I'd get on that thing until the time I got that, that make you go to bed. I just wanted to ride that, wanted to ride that motorcycle. And I remember being, and my brother used to ride too, and he still rides. And when I was, we were in Irving, where I grew up and I still live, Irving, Texas. And we, my dad had taken us to an ice cream parlor. And as we were walking through there, through the little shopping center, two guys pulled up on some, some chop Harleys. So it was like, I'm walking and I'm looking at those bikes and I'm looking at those bikes and I'm just mesmerized. And as I'm walking, there was one of those columns, support columns. And I bumped into that column and dropped my ice cream. And my dad laughed and laughed and laughed. And he said, I told you, son, that motorcycle is going to get you in trouble someday. I just was just, just transfixed on those choppers. I just thought they were so cool. And, you know, oh, my God, what would it be like to ride a you know, a couple of Harleys like that? And, oh, you know, these guys are so cool. You know, they were probably... 30 years old, but they were like old men, you know, back then. And it was like, oh, they're just so cool. Someday I want, I want that guy to be me. And then someday it was me. Was there, uh, so you're talking, everybody wanted to own a Harley back then. It was a big fascination with Harley, even back in the sixties. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was huge, you know, and it was, it was part of the problem I see now with the Harley world is that uh, the baby boomers like me, baby boomers were like from 48 to 64, you know, after the war and all that. We worshiped Harleys, you know, so we all grew up, probably y'all too. You grew up outside. So you're in Chicago, you're in Atlanta. Where were you at, Mayhem? I was in upstate New York. Upstate New York. I'm in I'm in Irving, Texas. <clears throat> you're outside all the time. Like I said, you're never in the house. You know, you're outside throwing a football, baseball, basketball, skateboards, bicycles. Everybody, every kid had a bicycle, and you rode that bicycle everywhere you went. And you knew where all the kids were because all the bicycles were piled up in the same spot. <laughs> you all wanted to have a Harley someday. How many kids do you see riding bicycles in your neighborhood now? None. You don't. No, no. And that's the problem is we grew up outside on bicycles, which led to mini bikes, which led to Honda 250s, which yeah. led to owning a Sportster, which let you know it just all leads down that road. And so now the young people are in the house on these things and on the computers doing things, doing activities, and they don't have the desire, most of them to ride a motorcycle and the ones that do they don't want to ride a harley that's what the old all the old men ride harleys you know so oh, we hear that a, all the time it's just it's just a, it's a different it's a different world and harley has tried hard you know they came out they, they bought buell so they came right. out with the buell for the young people one bad well, decision after another. <laughs> yeah. Buell and the V Rod and the Street five hundred and the seven fifty and then the the uh now they got that electric bike they're trying to get the young people involved and i think to some point it's working but when we were kids every boy wanted a harley and now it's just a small a small fraction so 
It's just part Man. of the evolution, I guess. Uh, Daniel Escamilla, he just uh, said, I was at uh, Strokers this uh, su last Sunday. Always a great time out there. A lot yeah. of your fans are coming, uh, Rick. Yeah, uh, Doc says, if you are uh, live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, highly recommend going to Strokers uh, to see the incredible bike museum that Mr. Fairless has built. Tell us about the bike museum. Well, it's it's not really a bike museum like you would consider a museum. A guy paid me a good compliment a few years ago, and he said that his – let me say one thing. Hey, did you thank him profusely? I did. Okay. Mr. Anderson? Yeah. Yes. Okay, thank you. Just had a guy bring me a check for a custom bike that we're building for him. Oh, but, yeah. Thank so, him profusely. Yeah, thank him profusely. <laughs> so – it was, it was, he, the guy said that his corporate office is in, Mil, uh, in Dallas. He works out of Milwaukee. He comes to Dallas once a year for the company meetings. And he said, whenever I come in to Dallas for the corporate meeting, I always come through strokers on the weekend. And he said, it's always like walking back into 1969 when I walk through them doors. And that's to me is a compliment, you know, so I've got, I've got, you know, some used motorcycles for sale. I've got, oh, I don't know, 12 or 15 of my personal bikes kind of roped off there that people can look at. You know, I've got the ceiling. The ceiling is all painted, you know, with all kinds of Marilyn Monroe and Cheech and Chong and John Lennon and, you know, just different things. So every little place you go in there, has stuff crammed in it. Can you see behind me in my office? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. My whole my whole place looks like that. <laughs> that hey, hey, Black Dragon, that ain't computer generated like your Black <laughs> Dragon. That's the real stuff I got. <laughs> well, you got another love that I seen that I uh, really uh, I think it's a fifty-seven. I'm not sure, but you got your pickup. I have, yeah, I have several, I love old cars and trucks. So I've got a 57 uh, Chevy 3100 pickup truck that I like to drive. I have a 69 C10 that I love to drive. And in here recently, I've been driving, I got a 55 Chevy uh, 210 Post that I've been driving lately too. I usually drive that stuff as much as I can when the weather's good. I just love old cars and especially old pickup trucks. J-Man uh, is uh, in there. They're, now they're all, uh, how much for you to build a custom? You know, it depends. You know, I mean, what I tell people is, is you know, we're, we're not the cheap guy. You know, we don't need the experience. We're not building bikes out of a storage unit or a, a, a place behind my house you know it's what we do for a living most of my stuff's going to start at 50 grand and goes up you know to well into six figures so mm -hmm. it just depends kind of what the guy wants you know part of the expense is if you put one of the crazy rick fairless paint jobs on it you know where it looks just every inch is covered with all kinds of different things well, those paint jobs are 20 grand or more because it takes months and months and months of just airbrushing, 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 and it just gets really expensive. But 
yeah, I mean, we can we can do stuff starting at 50 and going up from there. Um, you said 50 or 15? 50. 50. <laughs> five zero. Five zero, yeah. Yeah. When did, when did you get into building bikes? Hold on, Black Dragon. He's, he's, I got him. I got him on the ropes over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just trying to get my five zero together over here, and I was hoping it was fifteen. <laughs> but <laughs> let me ask you: Does your do do you build the the bike, or just or you customize it? What what is it that you do? Well, we do we do both. I mean, for your people listening out there. If you'll just Google my name, Rick Fairless, and hit images on Google, you'll see hundreds or thousands of pictures of bikes that we built over the years. And, you know, it can be like what uh, a guy just dropped me off a check for was a bike that we are building for him. It's a, it's a ground up custom bike. Okay, oh my so, God! Look at these bikes. There you Holy go. That's that's what yeah, I. Yeah, they're they're like art. It's like works of art on two wheels, really. Um, <laughs> the the bikes that he has in his shop, one that always sticks out in my mind, um, is the one that's got like this uh, music theme. And there's like John Lennon's in the paint and, and all these things, and there's like an old time microphone that's actually part of the uh, sissy bar Dale i believe yeah, or Dale Dale. yeah and just so it's not even just the paint job on his bikes but i mean the parts the details the custom parts that they make for it um to fulfill that theme is just it's out of this world it's it's a, it's a level of, of craftsmanship i don't think i've ever seen um outside of rick fairless's bikes if you guys are are watching this or or listening in uh, on my um uh, on my uh, uh podcast or whatever and I, I want you to just go over to another screen, and and my 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 whole mouth is just I'm just smiling. If you love motorcycles, uh, and you and you you just pop this screen up, and you type Rick Fairless, and when you type Rick Fairless, almost jumps in, uh, and then you just look at these motorcycles, you just start smiling, and so I want to ask you. Um, you 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 were saying to yourself as you were thinking about changing careers, um, uh, you know, I hope somebody brings a, a custom bike shop here, like Arlen Ness or someone. Right. Um, and then you said, "Why can't I be that guy?" Right? Uh, are you that guy? Have you eclipsed uh, Arlen Ness or or something no. like that in your mind? No, and and you know, Arlen Ness is was a good friend of mine, and his son Corey is a good friend of mine, and you know like evil Knievel, like you said, was always one of our childhood legends, but another one was Arlen Ness. You know, I mean, he was, he was the God of custom motorcycles, you know, and I'll never forget, you know, I used to, and you'll see pictures of me on there when I was young, wearing Arlen Ness t-shirts and, uh, I'll never forget, I was in Sturgis one time. I've been every year since 87. So I've been 35 years in a row to Sturgis. It's like the second year I was there. I think I was standing on Main Street. I had a pretty custom bike, Shovelhead, which I still have. And I was sitting on Main Street. And I was just kind of looking around, looking around. And somebody said, nice shirt. And I looked down at my shirt. It was an Arlen Ness shirt. And I said, thank you. It was Arlen Ness. <laughs> and you would have thought I was talking to John Lennon or Pam Anderson or something. I'm like, I, 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 you know, I'm just like a goofball. And uh, 
and I just kept talking. He just kept talking to me. He said, where are you from? And I said, Dallas. And he said, I sell a lot of parts to, uh, I sell a lot of parts to Dallas. And I said, most of them's for me and a couple of my buddies, you know, <laughs> such a class act. And then, you know, as I got bigger into the custom scene and opened my own shop, you know, I got into a group called the hamsters, which y'all can Google the hamsters USA. And that's a custom motorcycle club that I'm a proud member of. And, and Arlen is one of the original founders of the hamsters. And, you know, just to be friends with, with Arlen Ness and Donnie Smith and Dave Perowitz and Don Hotop and Paul Yaffe and Brian Clock and, you know, and all of these cool cats, Barry Cooney, you know, it's just a huge honor from, from some knucklehead from Irving, Texas, you know. <laughs> when did you get into building bikes and what was the first one that you built? Uh, you know, I was always customizing stuff. Like it started with that little mini bike that my great uncle gave me, you know, my brother and I were always messing with it to make it run, keep it running, change the handlebars. And then I got a Honda 100. Well, we like to ride on the dirt. So I would, you know, on Saturday, on Friday nights, we would meet in the garage and I had a Honda 100. My brother had a Yamaha 100 and all of the kids in the neighborhood, we all had small little bikes we would come over to my garage and we would strip them down you know we'd pull off the the fenders and back then there was a, a guy called preston petty and preston petty made like plastic fenders you know so if you if you wrecked your bike you didn't bust the fender or whatever and so we would get preston petty fenders and the preston petty plastic gas tank and we would make our bike ready for the dirt and then we would ride out in the hills of of uh irving dallas out there where i live all weekend and then on on sunday night we'd put all the stuff back on it to make them street legal to ride to school so it started there you know i just can't leave something alone and it's the same way with the 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 motorcycles i have or whatever i have i just i think okay this is pretty cool you know what i can do you know what would be cool you know, and then it's just, it just never stops. It never stops. Look so your, mind, is, your it, mind's getting all creative and stuff and it never stops in your it head. Never, it, I can't make it stop. I can't make it stop. I can't focus on anything very long because my mind's just 8,000 miles an hour. And people look at those bikes that Mayhem's and Black Dragon are looking at. And they're looking at all them bikes on there and they'll say, where do you get all these ideas? Brother, that's the easy part. The ideas are easy. I got millions of them. I got more <laughs> ideas than I got money. That's easy. In time, right? Yeah. So, so how much of your painting experience came from 20 years in the paint sales industry? Well, it, when I was in the in working for Glidden, that was I was a, it, it started out with a local company called Roach Paint Company. And my great aunt and uncle that that got me that first motorcycle, well, they owned this company. So it was a, a Texas-based paint supplier for residential and 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 uh, apartments and commercial. So we sold paint. And so I'd be a kid, you know, that ten-year-old kid riding that motorcycle, and he'd say, back then he had like twenty stores. He'd say, 
Ricky, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'd say, we call him Sarge. I'd say, I'm going to run a paint store for you, Sarge. And he'd say, which one are you going to run? And I'd say, I want to run that one in Irving, you know, not where I live. Well, I ran that one in Irving for 20 years. And, and I just, same way with wanting my motorcycles and my cars and my stuff to be cool. I wanted to be the best at whatever I did. So I built that store up to the number one store in the, the by then it was 30 stores. And then he got old and he sold to Glidden Paint Company. So now, you know, my store number, uh, uh, like the, the dealer number for my store was four. And then when Glidden bought us out, my dealer number was 836, you know, so that was a huge change. So I wanted to be, uh, wait a minute, is Alice okay? Okay, okay, let me know, honey. My wife's going home. My dog fell in the pool. I got a, oh. I got a, three old English sheep dogs, and one of them's blind or almost blind. You know they got a that pool protector thing for dogs. I I lost a dog uh, in a pool. Many, she got old and fell in the pool and didn't didn't survive. So they've got this pool thing for dogs. Yeah, uh, that goes around your pool like a dinghy. Just in case you didn't know about that. Yeah, I need to we're, check into that. Yeah, we're big dog people over here. I got two of them much uh, right there. One will start barking anytime now, I promise. Yeah, I got three. Did you uh, parlay your uh, motorcycle uh, building business into strokers? No, no. No. This is, this is what I was going to ask uh, uh, with that. Uh, um, so you you went from paint sales to, to um, uh, motorcycle what, right. what made you decide you need a restaurant? I mean, these are just completely diverse. Well, it was, it was, and see, they're, they're not, you know, it, it all goes back to, uh, you know, being 14 and we all wanted a Harley. So now fast forward and we're all in our twenties and thirties and we all have Harleys and we all hang out. So I lived on three acres of land. Uh, and so, my kids all had mini bikes and stuff that I raised them on. And so all the guys would come over and I had a big barn type garage and we'd sit out there and we'd listen to music and drink beer and wrench on our bikes. And, you know, so we'd always sit there and we'd talk about, you know, Hey man, I'd love to own a motorcycle shop, you know, Hey, I'd love to own a biker bar kind of thing. And so we would, you know, when we would go somewhere, we'd say, okay, let's all meet up at Rick's place would all go to the Harley shop. You'd go in there, you'd walk around. It's like, okay, here's the Harley shop. Eh. You know, it was just, it's a Harley shop. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't anything great or special and they're kind of all the same. Not saying they're not cool because they are cool, but they weren't, they weren't cool when you were into custom stuff. And so we'd say, okay, let's go somewhere and drink a beer. So you'd go somewhere and you wanted to drink a beer and eat a hamburger and kind of hang out with your buddies. And so we'd talk about what's the perfect motorcycle shop. Well, the perfect motorcycle shop, you can go in there, you can see parts from Arlen Ness and Pat Kennedy and Don Hotop and Donnie Smith and Perowitz. And, you know, you can see all that stuff there where the Harley shop has lived to ride, you know, all of that stuff. They didn't have any of that. 
And then we then I said, no, the perfect motorcycle shop has all of that. And then it has a little bar and grill on the same property where you can pull your motorcycle, drink a beer, hang out with your buddies, listen to music. And we'd laugh and we'd say, you know, my buddies would say, that would be awesome. You know, it'll never happen, but that would be awesome. And, and I would say, yeah, it, it won't ever happen, but man, wouldn't that be cool? And then when Easy Riders started their franchise deal, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I had 20 years in with Glidden, so I was eligible for retirement. And I thought, man, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be cool to, to do something like that? And I thought, yeah, but you know, that's other people. That's not me. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to call. I'm going to call on Monday. I'm going to, I'm going to make the phone call. And I just shot my bike, my shovel head for the cover of Easy Rider magazine. So I was, I was pumped. We did it in Daytona and they got the girls topless and all that crazy stuff we did back then. And then I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, so I called when I got back and they pumped me up and they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we could use a store in Dallas. And at that time he had like seven or eight stores. Yeah. Joe Teresi. Yeah, that would be cool. And they pump you up and it's like, hey, wait a minute, this thing could really happen. I could really, you know, and I kept saying, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that. And then they said, what about your partners? You know, send us your financials and all that. I did. What about your partners? And I said, I don't have any partners. Well, Rick, you really need to find it. And I said, no, I don't do partners. Just me. They said, well, you don't have enough money to. And I said, well, you know, my plan is to get a SBA loan if it gets that far. And they laughed at me and they said, you ain't going to get no SBA loan. You're a middle class guy. And, you know, and and I said, well, but that would be, you know, and so the, they basically dumped me and said, uh, you know, you, you go ahead and do your thing and we're going to keep looking in Dallas because we, you know, we don't think you're the guy. We don't think you can come up with the money or whatever. And I was like wanting to quit. And then I was like wanting to show these people that, hey, if I want to do it. And my brother was on that conference call, too. And my brother said, you don't know Rick Fairless. If Rick Fairless wants to do something bad enough, he does it. And I went and met with the, the Easy Rider guy, came to Dallas for a graduation of one of his nephews or something. He said, meet me for breakfast. Met him for breakfast. We were there for two hours. And he said, you go get that loan because you're, you're the guy. I believe in you. You're the guy. And so I got the loan and I kept saying, okay, it's not just a motorcycle shop. It's a barn grill, a barn grill, a barn grill. And he kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get the motorcycle. And so, you know, I, we worked hard and we got the motorcycle shop open and I said, okay, I'm, 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 I want to get that barn grill going. And they just kept kind of putting it off and they didn't want me to really do it. And, and I did it anyway. And I can tell you that the, that the, the bar has floated the motorcycle shop for many years, especially through the COVID, you know, people, the motorcycle, it's just like mayhem, you know, people come to a motorcycle shop. Well, we need some parts. Well, we haven't been in a long, well, we got to get an oil change. When you have a bar and grill, guess what? They come every weekend. They're going to drink a beer. 
some guys will drink 10 beers and some guys will drink one. Some guys will drink a Dr. Pepper and they're going to eat a hamburger and they're going to meet their buddies and hang out. Some guys hang out there 20 minutes. Some guys hang out there eight hours. Yeah. You know, so it's just a it's just a cool it's a cool vibe where everybody is welcome and and it's it's that bar and grill that has helped me be here after 26 years. And you, you know, you made a perfect point here that the younger generation needs to understand, and that is, if you want something, you got to go get it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you not, got that SBA loan. Yeah, and those are hard. To, <laughs> they are. are they are hard to get. And you know, I got I got turned down. I went to all these different places. One of them was was the bank where 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 I banked and my dad banked, and I went to all these different places. Well, they all turned me down except two guys, and one of the guys that approved me was a customer of mine at Glidden, he had a bunch of rent houses, so he bought paint from me. And the other one was my bank. And my bank made me a better deal. So I went in there and he said, okay, we're going to do the deal. Uh, you know, you're great and all this. And you're in your 30s. You're stable. You've had the same job for 20 years. He said, we just need one more thing from you. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, we need your dad to co-sign the loan. And I'm like... I, you know, I'm in my, my late thirties and you want my daddy to come in and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> and then I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I called my dad and I said, can you go to the bank with me Monday morning or what? And I said, I'm going to do this deal and I want you to co-sign. He said, okay, what kind of deal are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to open my own business. And my dad was all for opening my own business. He said, he said, that's awesome. Hold on. My, he said, that's awesome, son. You're going to open your own paint store. And I said, no, sir, I'm going to open a motorcycle shop. And he said, hold on a minute, boy. Motorcycles are your hobby. You make your living selling paint. I said, I know, dad, but I think I can do good at it. I, I think I can, I can do it. And he said, have you thought? And I said, I've been through all of that. He said, okay, I'll go sign for you and let's get this thing going. <laughs> uh, asked, uh, Rick, was it a challenge to maintain the alcohol licenses along with the COVID uh, food safety requirements in the garage altogether during the pandemic? It was terrible. They, they, the, the, the <clears throat> governor in Texas closed all the bars for months and so we were actually get through the the tabc which is a texas alcoholic beverage commission we were classified as a bar that sold food well the governor closed all of them so the only way you could get by that was to be classified a restaurant that sold alcohol but with that is a whole different set of rules and regulations and all that. And so finally the guy from the TABC said, you get, you need to change this classification. I said, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? He said, you do that, you do this, you do this, you do this, you send it to me, I'll sign it. He said, we're pissed at the governor because we're losing all our revenue. 
He said, you sell a bunch of food there. I see on your records. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, let's reclassify you. So they reclassified me and we opened up and, and, uh, but we were shut down for 90 days. This is during, uh, I think it was like April, May, June, when the weather is perfect in Dallas. So it's the, the months where we should be making a ton of money. We weren't making any money. And it was people not coming to the bar or people that's not coming to the motorcycle shop too. So it was tough. I mean, it was uh, real tough. Now you have an insurance company. You were on Biker Build-Off, weren't you? Yes, sir. Okay, we'll talk about that, but you got an insurance company. Yeah, and the reason that I did the insurance company was, you know, we sell a lot of motorcycles, and a lot of them are on the weekends. So you got to, you know, if you're going to finance a bike, you got to have insurance before you can ride off. Well, it was like pulling teeth to get an insurance agent to write a, a policy on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Friday at late Friday. So I started a little insurance company. I sent my daughter Lena to insurance school so she could write policies just to facilitate motorcycle sales. And we did that for years. And then uh, I started building bikes for Allstate that they would take to different shows around the country. And so we'd build these cool bikes. And some of the bikes that you see on my deal there are bikes that I've done for Allstate. And Allstate would be like, why don't you, why don't you uh, expand your insurance company? And I'd say, ah, you know, I, don't, I don't know about all that. You know, we just do insurance on bikes that we sell, Dairyland. And uh, so one day they sent a guy out to talk to me and he showed me that I could be an independent dealer out of my agent, uh, out of my, at my agency, out of my dealership here and open it up to homeowners insurance and automobile insurance. And now we do business insurance and I've hired a couple of guys that uh, my daughter is still one of them. And I ha hired another young fellow that's really good at insurance. And I mean, it's, it's taken off and it's doing really good. Uh, one of our guys asked if you're going to expand it, your insurance company out of, uh, out of the city. Um, now we're, we're Texas. We're Texas. We do everything in Texas. So we've, we've talked about going outside of Texas, which is some different things that we have to do. And at some point, yes, we're going to do that. We're kind of growing a little, uh, uh, we're growing a lot, but we're doing it kind of methodically. So we just started doing business insurance in the last year and that's getting better and better and better. And then one of the things that we want to do is expand it to different states around around uh, the South and then kind of work our way. That's awesome. Yeah. Biker build off. My God, you were in that one. How were your legend in uh, building choppers? How about Jesse and uh, Larry, man? Everybody knows Indian Larry. Rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. How was your experience on biker build off? It was awesome. You know, uh, like you, you just mentioned Jesse James. He just sent my daughter at my daughter's birthday. 35th birthday was yesterday. So he told my daughter, he, evidently he has some Jesse James FU coffee. So <laughs> he told my daughter he was sending her a bunch of FU coffee of his coffee. And then he said, 
I'm going to send a bunch to the old man so he can have it at the store there, too. So we got a bunch of Jesse James FU coffee coming, I guess. <laughs> but Jesse's a good guy, and, and I don't talk to him much, maybe once a year, but my daughter talks to him all the time. You know, them kids are always doing that and blabbering right. <laughs> on the social media stuff. But he's, he's, he's a great guy. Indian Larry was a great guy. You know, all those guys were good guys. Mm-hmm. One thing I learned from the show, uh, from all of you guys, uh, every, you know, buddy from you to Andy and Larry is the work ethic. Yeah. The work ethic is just huge with you guys. And, and, you know, one of the things that I do is I'm a motivational speaker. I've actually lectured at TCU three times and I've lectured at DePaul University in Greencastle, Greencastle, Indiana, a couple of times. And I do for some different companies and things to motivate people. And uh, you have a work ethic. You know, everybody has a work ethic, whether it's a crummy one or a really good one or whatever. So it's it's like you can do and you can be whatever it is you want to be if you want to be it bad enough. You know, how bad do you want to have your own motorcycle shop? How bad do you want to lose weight? How bad do you want to get that promotion? How bad do you want that new CVO? You know, it's if you if you want something bad enough and you're willing to sacrifice, then you can do it. You know, and it, and then so the reason that the, the 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 colleges and some of the companies like me to come in is because I don't look like the rest of them do. I don't come in there in a, in a suit and tie and have the shoes with the little tassels on the front of them. You know, I come in looking like this and I tell them that, you know, there's different ways to climb the ladder. You know, where do you want to go? That ladder just doesn't go straight up and down. It goes all over the place. You know, where do you want to go? How, how, how can you get there? Is there your work ethic? You know, how big is your work ethic to get you there? You know, and then I always, you know, as I'm talking, we're showing slides of of the bikes and the parties and the different things that we do here. And at the end of the speech, I always end it the same. If a dumbass like me can be successful, anybody can. You just got to want it bad enough. So how, Very, how, so. how good are you uh, at firing people? You know what? I don't like to do that, but I've done it probably a thousand times, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it's bringing people in my office and it's having a pep talk and having another pep talk and come on now guys. And, you know, and then it's just, uh, it's a, it, you don't like to do it because it, it disrupts somebody's life, but it also is, is bad for me because I can't sleep thinking about it. I don't want to do it. Now, sometimes I enjoy doing it if it's a if it's a an idiot that needs firing or somebody that's stealing from me or, you know, something like that. There's been a, a handful of those guys that I fired that I actually enjoyed doing it. But ninety nine percent of the time I don't like doing it because, you know, it's just it's very disruptive on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Why well, you got somebody you want me to fire? <laughs> I've always, I've always had a hard time firing people. I oh, think that, yeah, that's that's uh, you know, and I was a a national president of a motorcycle club, and I always had a hard time firing people. 
uh, just yeah. tough. And uh, so no, I like to ask uh, successful people, uh, how, how are you at firing people? Because that, yeah. that's part of your success. Right. No. Now, going to your next project was Ma's Roadhouse, wasn't it? Texas Hardtails. Texas Hardtails, my fault. So Texas Hardtails was a, a series that we did on the Speed Channel, and uh, it got bought out by Fox. We did a season that got bought out by Fox, and Fox wanted to do different things than the reality thing that we were doing. And then four or five years after that, we did Ma's Roadhouse on True TV, which I hate True TV. They're a bunch of True TV is the most untrue network out there, you know, and it was just it was just a terrible deal. The production company I dealt with was awesome, uh, but they fought the they fought True TV and we fought True TV. So we did a season of that and that was the end of that. But like, mm -hmm. you know, we've done a bunch of a bunch of other stuff i've been on i've done the fast and loud with richard rawlins probably a half dozen times he's a good friend of mine and he's over here he just lives around the corner from me he's here all the time and uh we're doing that job swap again for the third time i think we start filming that on tuesday monday or tuesday so there's a lot of stuff that we've done i even did a, a deal on uh the cooking channel called cake hunters where we were having a big anniversary party and I had to go interview these cake makers and they had to wow me with these little cakes. And then I had to choose one. Then they made me this, you know, so it was a pretty cool deal. So I get, you know, grandma and grandpa coming in here and I'll think those people don't look like they got anything to do with motorcycles. They don't. They saw me on the cake hunter show. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. I know we've had you on about an hour and you're busy, but one last question for you, Rick. Yeah. What do you want to be remembered as? You know, I think I'd want to be remembered. I hear that dog back there now. What's that dog's name? Oh, that's uh, Brutus. Brutus, okay. If the your dog name is Black Dragon, Dragon, if your name is a Black Dragon, your dog's got to be Brutus. I <laughs> <laughs> got a Bluto back there too, and a and a Caesar and a uh, King. Well, I've got I've got Braveheart and there Brutus. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so guess what my 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 dog's names are? The one that fell in the pool. Her name is Alice. You remember the honeymooners to the moon? Uh -huh. So yep. Alice and Trixie was her best friend and then Ethel, which was, you know, Lucy and Ethel, you know, yeah, yeah. those are my dog's names. But I mean, I think, you know, I want to be remembered as just a, a good old boy from Irving, Texas that loved custom motorcycles. I, I have one last one for you. You said you were the luckiest boy in the world. Yeah. What do you mean by that? When I'm seven and nine and 14 and 18, you know, and I'm dreaming of owning a motorcycle and I got him. Then I dreamed of owning a Harley and I got a Harley. And then I dreamed of, you know, owning a motorcycle shop and a bar and grill. And I've had that for the last 26 years. And it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, the old thinking that the old deal they say is, you know, if you, if you love what you do for a living, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm that, I'm that guy. 
I don't work. I come and hang out with motorcycles and motorcycle people all day, every day. And I work every single day. You know, the reason we're doing this interview at 9 a.m. is because, guess what? I go to bed at 8 o'clock at night. But I get up at 1.30 and I come to work and I get some quiet time and I do some things. And, you know, and then by 6 o'clock, I'm done. I'm spent. I'm ready to go home. But I'm here every day. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, too, every day is the same to me because I love what I do so much. You know, and if, if anybody has the opportunity to ever own your own business, it's worth it. You know, I mean, it's a lot of, of sacrifice. I mean, you guys are sacrificing to do to do the podcast. But guess what? You're talking about motorcycles and y'all love motorcycles and and it's it's who we are and what we do. And and, you know, so it's just it's wonderful. It's wonderful to do what you love to do every single day. And it's mm-hmm. like this weekend is in the 70s, upper 60s, low 70s. I know I'm going to have a bunch of buddies like Mayhem come in and I'm going to shake hands and pat people on the back and walk around and look at motorcycles and talk about motorcycles. It's like, oh boy, I can't wait. Here we go. <laughs> I can't yeah, wait either. <laughs> you have to rub it in about 70s while we're sitting up here at negative three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was just up in uh, Western New York a couple weekends ago and uh, for a wedding and um, I went out and took the kids out. We went out in snowmobiles and it started out in 20 um, and then it, up at Tug Hill. And then uh, after an hour, it was seven degrees without any wind chill. I said, I got to get back to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is, uh, <laughs> this is Rick Fairless. You guys got to go to Strokers, Dallas, man. I'm going to make a special trip just to go down there uh, and see the, this wild place, man. Uh, but he also has an insurance company. If you're in Texas, check him out. You guys got to go to his website, man. These bikes are, are they're work of art, man. They really are. They're works of art. And if I, if I can, you know, if people, we've got a YouTube channel under Strokers Dallas. We've got Facebook under Strokers Dallas. So the big Facebook page is my name, just Rick Fairless. There's like a public figure page, and that's where I post most stuff on. Uh, uh, you know, you can you can check us out on Google and all that. I have a merch a merch store with all this cool kind of stuff called strokersdallasmerch.com i mean so everywhere if you just google my name or strokers dallas you'll see the you know we're everywhere out there and my 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 daughters are really good on the social media and i've learned how to do it some mayhem had to teach me the other day how to go to get messages on instagram i didn't know you could get messages on instagram mayhem taught me how to do that so i, I figured that one out <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, just check us out online, and we'd love for y'all to come see us and drink a beer with us. Rock on, man. Well, it's great having you on, Rick. I know you're busy, and we look forward to your new show, man. We really do. When's that premiering? Well, that this one that we're working on now is only going to be in Europe. It's a European deal. So they keep talking about bringing it to the United States, but basically I'm sending two mechanics. You don't know where they're going, but they're going somewhere in Europe. And they're sending two mechanics from somewhere in Europe to work for me. And it's and it's it's almost like that wife swap where the 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 one guy has the big house and a beautiful wife. And then they trade it's that wife swap. And then they, she goes to a pig farmer and the pig farmer's wife comes to 
you know, so they put you in unfamiliar situations. And so there's a language barrier and it just makes for good TV. And, you know, so I'll take these guys out. They probably don't have any Harley experience. And the last guys, you know, they wanted to, their dream was to ride a Harley. And so I got them on some Harleys and we went for a ride. So, you know, it's always, we're always working on something. That's awesome. Well, you have a good one. We got a lot of people that have said they subscribe to your YouTube yeah. channel and stuff. Yeah, please, uh, please. That's awesome. And somebody uh, also said that they are adding your shop to their tech, uh, your your sh shop to their stop. So some people are going to be coming to see you. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, you too. No, I appreciate uh, it. Tell your brothers right to come see me there when they when you know that. Hopefully they come in, but tell them to shake my hand next time. I will let my brothers there. Uh, we have a chapter there. I will definitely let them know to stop in. I appreciate it. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Rick. We really appreciate having you on, man. You're right. like Okay, thanks, and I'll see you, Mayhem. I'll see you later on this weekend. You got it, buddy. All right. Bye, y'all. See you later. See ya. That was awesome. Just so <laughs> rock on. We got everybody subbing to him. <laughs> <laughs> the man. The okay, Mayhem. Man, we had to thank you for uh, getting Rick on and stuff. Uh you're on here, you know, congrats on getting patched in. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was quite, quite a ride actually. Uh, <laughs> the, the first week I, uh, you know, started hanging out, they had uh, nationals, Lama had nationals in, uh, in Dallas this past year. And, um, you know, I kind of met with some of the, some of the guys at Strokers actually is where I, where I ran into them. Uh, my uncle's actually president up in Rochester, New York, uh, which I didn't even find out until after the fact of a chapter up there. But um, it's just a real cool organization. Um, you know, I was one week in um, uh, in, pro in the prospecting when I when I completely wrecked. Um, uh, SUV took me out, and uh, so I was in the hospital um, doing inpatient uh, physical rehab, occupational stuff, whatever. And, and uh, the president and the vice president came up to 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 see if I was okay and to hang out for a couple hours. I was like. Wow, like I'm just the prospect one weekend and these guys are out here visiting me at the hospital. I was like, this this is a cool group, you know? Um, like they they just they kind of set set that standard and I was like I, I felt like I was in the right place, you know. <laughs> well, let's talk about your prospecting deal. Did Black Dragon help you through the prospect period with uh his videos and education? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because like um it, the, it's LAMA, Latin American Motorcycle Association. So when you hear the word association, a lot of times you think of, well, like, for example, the NRA, right? You, you sign a card, you send a check, and they're like, okay, you're a member, right? Um, but of course, it's not like that. Um, with the LAMAs, it's, it's really just like a motorcycle group. So yeah, all those, all that information was, was uh, key. You know, we've got our bylaws, um, and, and things that we have to, to follow and abide by the mandatory meetings and, and rides and things like that. So, I mean, I, um, my, the club was actually, uh, at a party on the lake, um, that Saturday. And so I'm like talking to the doctors and stuff. I'm like, well, you know, can I get evaluated Saturday morning or whatever? So I can, you know, scoot. And they're like, you're not going to be out of here Saturday. I'm like, well, can I just get evaluated? I bit my teeth. I was going up those stairs. Like it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I got out of there and went to the lake and everyone's like, you're here. But it was like, I, I wanted to show them, right. I wanted them to know that, that, that I wasn't gonna, you know, just like fall out because of this incident or whatever. 
And um, they presented me with my patch there and everything. And they let me know I had 90 days to get a new bike and everything. So, um, you know, it's, it's, and I like that. I like that accountability. I like that, those things. So, um, and just was always there showing up, making sure that I was not only doing the mandatory things, um, but, but being there to, you know, offer a hand when it was needed. So, yeah, um, all, all that information was really helpful going through that process. What do you got, Dragon? You know, I'm just always uh, blown away. Uh, I remember the uh, prospecting days, and uh, uh, it's, it was just a good time in my life because I was uh, fancy, worry-free. I just I didn't have any responsibilities except for what the brothers told me to do. So now that you're a full patch, uh, what's different? Um, and, and congratulations, first of all. When, when did you patch? Uh, actually, it was just a couple uh, weekends ago. Yeah, that I finally got the full oh. patch because you go through prospecting and then you go through a probate period and then you you finally uh, get to to patch in if you if you're voted in. Um, one of the things I get to do now is vote, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like being able to vote. In fact, um, it was funny because that very meeting after we patched in, you know, they have vote, and, and the president's like, you know, you can vote now, and I'm all like, oh, you're raising the hand, like here I am. But um, it, no, it's it's pretty cool, and it's funny how we were talking like in during this whole interview about different things, like so many things. Um, within the culture of, of Rick Ferrellis and Strokers and how um, Business Handle there reflects like the, the culture and, and Llama and, and some of the things that we follow. Um, even you referencing um, uh, Evil Knievel, I'm sitting here with my, my cast and uh, the pins are coming out in a couple weeks. But <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, you know, with Llama, for example, they, you, your bike as long as it's 650 or or larger to keep up with the rides, doesn't matter the make or whatever. Women are allowed to join. Men are allowed. They get to ride with the men. They get a special Dama patch that shows that they ride uh, their own and uh, different things like that. So it's just that that overall acceptance. The quality is no, you know, bias on, on race, gender, you know, religion, anything like that, uh, politics or whatever. It's just a very kind of like welcoming. Uh, a group and everything so um it's it's just funny how it's the same thing at strokers and and in this area in in, in texas in general um like we we're uh talking about before um you know the some parts of texas where it's so large people don't i don't think realize just how diverse texas is you know west texas versus east texas the north versus the south texas central texas it's the, the geography is different. The people are, you know, communities are different and so forth. And in this area in Dallas in Northern Dallas, uh, Louisville and, and things like that, there's not only, um, you know, strokers being the crown jewel, um, but many other uh, biker bars and establishments. Um, and then even ones that aren't geared towards uh, the culture are still accepting of it. Like I can walk into almost any club and and that type of thing with uh, with my colors on and no one's gonna have a, have any kind of issue with that so it's a it's a good place uh for bikers to be well llama is an awesome organization i interviewed uh mario he was one of the founders and you guys started out in 77 i believe uh right in humble park uh right by uh where i grew up and Just stuff up like in your neighborhood <laughs> oh yeah uh, you guys are an awesome organization. 
tell everybody uh, your social media and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, again, I really appreciate you getting Rick on here. And I'm going to be inviting you on uh, shows that we have, like uh, the Neutral Zone. And uh, it's going to be real fun, man. We're going to get you out there. And the roundtable. We want to get you on the roundtable as well. And the roundtable. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah, so um, my Instagram is uh, Eric. It's E-R-I-Q-U-E. Eric, a.k.a. Mayhem. Um, And I actually just started my um, YouTube channel um, this week. I just put it up. I I published it, I think, two days ago. So that's Mayhem in Texas. Um, There's a a big grand, like, motorcycle tour, self-guided motorcycle tour um, that I'm uh, signing up for. It hits all the different places in Texas. So my channel is going to... be a lot of like riding to various uh, destinations uh, within Texas, hotspots, um, things of that nature. Um, you know, uh, showcasing some some of my craziness, <laughs> and uh, it should be a good time. <laughs> what kind of bike do you ride? So uh, right now, what I'm currently riding, um, which is helpful with this, is a, a Honda CTX 700 because it has the um, the DCT uh technology so i don't have to to work a clutch with this hand i can set that one on the handlebar and i can twist the <laughs> the throttle and go what is the dct i don't know what the hell that is oh yeah so the honda bikes um gold wings have it oh um, that that automatic thing yeah that, yeah dual yeah. Clutch transmission so you don't have yeah. to worry about the clutch so i was like this is perfect right now <laughs> yeah I, I was like adamantly <laughs> against, against it that. hell yeah. no I'm going to be switching gears, but I do want to ride that Goldwing. To yeah. See what it well, it's, it's helpful for like people like this or like my doctor said that, uh, yeah, years down the road, you're going to have really bad arthritis in the hand. So like, you know, right. when, when you've got like a physical thing going on, it's something that could really be helpful for somebody who still wants to ride. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'd rather be, uh, you know, pulling in the clutch and riding. I've also got, um, uh, a Honda uh, Sportster or a Harley Sportster as well. So, um, rock right, on, man. Right well, now, you're gonna, we're, you got to give me a, a text, man. I'm going to arrange you on uh, the neutral zone, get a hold of BD for the round table. Uh, I really appreciate all you did for the show. You've been following me for a while. Uh, so, you know, it's much appreciated. Let's get your uh, YouTube stuff going. And uh, again, give me uh, a text and maybe three Saturday or three Sundays from now. I think we're booked this week and next week, but I'll try to get you on uh, the following show. All right. Sounds awesome. Cool, man. Uh, me and BD is going to go into our final thoughts right now. We'll talk to you later, man. Right, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for the time. BD, what is your thoughts, man, on the legend? And uh, some of what your education went with Mayhem, man. So, you know, I, I think I learned a lot from him. First of all, uh, thanks for including me in on the interview. Uh, we've been doing some great interviews together. And uh, it's just been uh, such a great opportunity uh, to meet such an amazing person. I think <laughs> the biggest things I learned was if you have a dream, go for it. Um, you know, SBA loans are hard to get. And there's a lot that he compacted in that story. But if you're really listening, he had to go through a hell of a lot to get that loan. He got turned down time after time again. And even after everything was all together, then they throw the final curveball. You're going to have to get your dad to co-sign for you. 
And he did all of that against the backdrop of everybody telling him, you can't do it. You can't do it. You're not our guy. We don't want you. And now look at him. So successful. Thousands of bikes all over the world. It, it's, it's proof that anybody can accomplish uh, this American dream if given hard work, uh, exceptionalism towards uh, uh, working in uh, to be exceptional, a commitment to exceptionalism, a commitment to work ethic, a commitment to time management, which you are the king of, and uh, and and it's just it's just does my heart good to see somebody now you know late in life still. Uh, living so happy that they still call themselves the uh, luckiest boy in the world. And uh, I, I just think that's totally cool. It is, man. What about hearing from Mayhem that your education's really helped him out, man? You are the king of freaking protocol, man. There's nobody else out there that can talk like you, man. You've helped so many people. You know something? Uh, I still feel like, you know, John around the corner. And when I started doing this, it was for uh, black guys in the Black Sabbath motorcycle club on the black biker set. And we had a lot of white guys in the club. You know, we were a mixed race club, but they always look at us because we started as a black club. They look at us as a black club. So I really thought I was talking to a very small segment of people. And for people to reach out to me from Russia and Iran and Ireland and, and, and all these places and tell me, uh, black clubs, white clubs, uh, uh, Hispanic clubs, uh, Asian clubs telling me that the things that I wrote down, I, I just sent a book to France just yesterday. Um, and, and I just, I can't believe it. It, for me, it's hard to believe, uh, that someone, and, and it happens every day, someone's sending me an email or text messages, uh, presidents of 1% or motorcycle clubs, man, I read everything you ever did. I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for, so it's a blessing. It is a blessing I to be able to, 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 to do that. It's well, we got a ton of great, and you're my freaking uh, co-crime partner, man. I am going to be reaching out to the lot of contacts I have, get some really interesting uh, interviews for us, uh, really changing the pace of the game. Don't you agree? Yeah. I think, um, you know, we're having fun. Um, and and uh, we're starting to, to hit a, a stride. We're having fun. We're doing what we love to do. <coughs> we're reaching out to people. Uh, and we're getting to talk to some of the <coughs> greatest people uh in this industry sorry <coughs> sorry i'm coughing a little bit it's uh 30 degrees in my office if i turn on the heaters then you wham, get all this noise wham, wham. yeah you got to sit there well it's not one degree where you are but <laughs> that's what i'm saying wham, wham. <laughs> no we're just we wanted to let you guys know we're going to take it to another level with interviews because people do need to know their history and one of the things that we were talking about was given the experience of the older guys through the nineties lens instead of this new age stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got people that are looking at things like, uh, for instance, uh, easy rider, the movie, 
and and how legendary it was and uh, oh that was that was an awesome movie to me but that and, was my generation right and then and then you know you get the new guys that come in and look at a movie like that and make a a book review of it and, and or, or a movie review of it and say you know how horrible it was and maybe it's because we haven't done a good job of imparting uh what these values stood for um and uh maybe that's a little bit of what we should do instead of uh moaning and groaning and complaining and griping maybe it's time to uh show folks um where it came from so that they'll have an idea of where to take it mm -hmm. right well anything else bd well what are your final thoughts about what you learned i learned that work ethic is kind work ethic like rick or jesse james or coal miners, steel workers, it hardly exists anymore. I seen an interview on T Tucker uh, Carlson from a Reddit moderator who says, we don't want to be worker ants. We don't want to have to work 40 hours a week. And I just think it's sad. I really do. I think it's sad. Because there's nothing more fulfilling than working your ass off all day long, coming home butt tired, and just kicking up or maybe watching a hockey or baseball game. They don't understand it. Yeah. And seeing Rick, when he went through, he never lost sight of the goal. A lot of, a lot of the young kids don't have goals anymore. He never lost sight of it. And you got to think about this. He worked a 20-year career and retired before accomplishing his dream. So he set a foundation for his children, his family. Uh, he raised everybody and still went out and accomplished his dream. It's just an amazing feat. And I wish we had more youngsters driven towards that. I really do. Whether it be, you know what, even if you're a garbage man, you go to work, you work hard, do your best at what you're doing. You might not like it, but at least have another goal in mind to achieve. He, he sold paint in a paint shop. He, he was a, a paint sales representative for a shop, a small shop that his, that his uh, grandparents owned and then it, and built on it. But, you know, you're a paint shop salesman. And he took that. And you see what he's done with it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, everybody, hopefully you enjoyed the interview with the king of psychedelic choppers and stroker yeah. Dallas, Rick Fairless, man. And also Mayhem with uh, Llama. Llama's an awesome organization. It really is. And plus it started out where my old neighborhood was. <laughs> so you got to love them, man. Uh, but we'll have more interviews coming up for you guys, and uh, we're really going to turn some stuff into 2022. Black Dragon and myself will be at the 2022 Iowa hey, Free Rally. Yes. June 30th through the 2nd. Come on by. Say hi to us. Uh, we'll have some fun and stuff like that. Watch a lot of titties and yeah, Hollywood, uh, he's angling himself for trying to do the MC and for the wet t-shirt kind of test. I'm going to get that sucker. You watch. I'm gonna try anyway, to guys, it was a beautiful thing today. Wasn't it BD? Yeah. 
it was it was really cool but with that guys we'll talk to you later have a good one don't forget to like and subscribe all that good stuff share us share us like a hooker man get us out there <laughs> bb's like damn man hollywood at it again <laughs>